Well, hello and welcome. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Hi, this is Rachel Vogt, and this is a Good Girls Guide 2 podcast. And uh, if you are new, thank you so much for being here. It'd be fantastic if you could tell us how we connected, whether it's through the comments of this podcast or another Linktree connection. Um, it'd be fantastic to see how that happened. So thanks for being here. Last last podcast, I kind of just like kicked it off. I don't know, it's 50-50 that we get really wild, wild west with that and just roll right into content. But I did want to just say hello and thank you so much. We are, it's kind of back from a mid-season break kind of thing. And so that's been the adjustment into, we're working in quarter three live. It's August 2023. And so it's moving into a completely different season, which is exciting and exciting to say because typically I don't do change very well. I'm an anxiety-induced fool when it comes to trying to figure some stuff out. So we're in a good space. <laughs> we are doing um, some the empowerment class that's been back off and on this year with the allowance of some schedules. Definitely one-to-one sessions and organically growing from some new um, online presence, primarily from TikTok, which has been really fun. Not only getting women, all women so far from TikTok into one-to-one sessions, but conversion into the private groups. And now um, I will actually take this moment, by the way, if you're not already connected with me on Facebook, I would highly recommend, I mean, I don't think we can actually... Okay, let me reset my mouth. Being a content creator, quote unquote, on Facebook, I don't think you can send me a friend request. I think you just have to, quote unquote, follow me. I don't know why I said quote unquote that time. But if you want to do the friend request, like if you actually want to be friends, and I only friend request women, men have to follow me, women uh, I want to be friends with because I want to add you to the group, basically. That's where we have our 18 years or older feminine energy presenting group. Uh, It is a safe space to talk about sexual wellness, intimacy building, and things like that. Uh, that's the only way I've found how to do that so far. And it's good for our age range. I know there's things like Discord, but I think you, I mean, I guess I don't know enough, but I don't want to charge a subscription to get into the group or anything like that. So that's a free place that we're building friendships and things like that. And uh, I casually hang out over there live. I can't really hang out live on TikTok due to the nature of my content. I've been, I think maybe all but one of my lives have been taken down. That's cool. Uh, so I have to tread very lightly over there and I'm new over on YouTube. Uh, that is where we need some more women. Uh, I think it's fantastic that my male audience has expanded over there, but it's so, with all due respect, it's difficult. And I know that with my line of work, I'm the one that should be over there doing the difficult work. I am. Um, but there's been a lot of freedom within this last year, really, in opening up the connections that the company I partner with in terms of the intimacy products I offer. We couldn't do business with men very openly, I guess. Like, we were allowed to sell product, but we weren't really encouraged to do much else. And uh, TikTok is a very, I'm sorry, YouTube is a very heavily dominated male space. And I have, I have been very fortunate that my presence is pretty small over there. But the the men, the few men that have like, been interacting, I would say it's been 75% good. Like there's some guys who are like, this is great content, um, talk slower, but thanks for the info. There's been a few, just just like two or three that have been completely disrespectful. And I'm I just, luckily, I'm just like, yo, I'm married or this this is not one of those kinds of sites. And even some have apologized, which was dope. And then there's been kind of the in the middle who are, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, you're so wrong. I can't believe you think that after 10 years, you, you know women and what women need. How dare you? And a few on TikTok who were like, you're not going to hit your male audience because you, your videos are too long. I don't think that 
my videos that are too long for men to invest in understanding the pleasure roadmap and intimacy roadmap to a partner, they're not going to watch this shit anyway. They, you wouldn't watch it if I, unless I, I'm actually contemplating making a series because I've been doing monthly series, um, both on TikTok and in, um, YouTube of just like, like, I don't want to be insulted. That's the problem is like, I feel like, like if you want me to give you your information the way that you're asking me to deliver it, it's going to be like with a flashcard and it's going to be like, be kind to her. And the second flashcard is going to be like, pay attention to her cycle when she has low energy. And the third card is going to be like, do more fucking work around the house. Like that level of intimacy introduction is not below me, but it's so basic that if you are struggle busting, well, it's not even that. I'll like, listen, see, this is what I'm saying. Like, I'm treading lightly because I'm not trying to be insultive or insensitive, but just please don't tell me how to do my job. I need you to listen to how I'm doing my job because it's going to help you connect with your feminine partner. I'm not speaking male speak to her for you. We already pretty much understand you. You don't think that we do because a lot of you won't get to the deep-rooted issues. I'm going to say issues because they're holding you back from connection. And that's what I wanted to talk about this episode with is that, like, from the feminine perspective, if you want to date a badass, like, you have to take all that comes with dating a badass, um, being in a relationship with a badass and having a partner who wants to be a badass. Like, (sighs) okay. So the entry-level conversation that I would have around this is that you got to have clear expectations on what it means for you to be in a partnership. Okay. So what is it? What is like the, the principle of this podcast? Really? It's, it is to understand your woman better. And, uh, if, if you're like, that doesn't interest me, you've already tuned out anyway. <laughs> you've already tuned out anyway. Okay. And here's the most magical thing about the take home message of this is because you're like, well, you've probably told me this before, Rachel. You're right. I probably have, but number one, it bears repeating, but two, I need you to hear my heart when I tell you that if you are in a relationship as a man with a woman, because I can't speak to anything other than that, that's my experience, is that if you support your baddie, it is going to skyrocket everything in your relationship regardless of what you intend for your own gain. You got to go in non-maliciously. You have to go in with the best intention. You have to go in with an open heart and an open mind to provide her with a space for rewarded vulnerability. She will do the same for you. And she's already been trying. Most most, and, uh, most of the census of population that I'm going to be speaking to, it is most. There are two additional categories. So most of us, most of us, I'll lump myself in there because I was there at one point. Most of us are just operating from subconscious beliefs about what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be in a relationship, what it means to be a partner, whatever your label is. Okay. That's what most of us give you your cliches, right? Like women do the housework, women do the cooking, women do the grocery shopping, women put out whenever men need them to. Men work hard, labor jobs, men um, bring home the money, men like sports, right? These are cliche things that a lot of people fall into, but not everybody, not everybody, not everybody, okay? So when you fit into, well, when you get clear, when you get clear about what your First, your own identity is. What is your own identity? You'll be able to carry that into your relationship with your partner and sitting down and saying, like like what I just said, I will present as a partner in A, B, and C ways. What's important to you? Partner would say, oh, I will present as a partner in one, two, three ways. Sweet. The second leg of that is I expect, it's back to me now, I expect a partner 
I shouldn't say that because that's really, like, it feels more of a demand. But I find that I'm best supported in my relationships when my partner exhibits A, B, and C. Oh, other person's turn. Great, 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 great. Uh, for my ideal relationship with a partner, I would like to see one, twos, and threes in the way that, ways that I'm supported and loved. So what was the most important out of that conversation with one another that we absolutely know are like non-negotiables? And it's not, again, out of a demand that you will do A, B, and C for me. Otherwise, we got a problem. It's that I need you to understand that if A, B, and C are presented to me in a, way, in, in a way that you can deliver them, I suspect that my mental health will benefit. I suspect that my physical health will benefit. I suspect that our emotional connection will deepen. And at the end of the day, like if you're a guy listening to this, this means more sex. It means more everything, but it, it means more sex because if your partner is exhausted because they have too many hats that they're wearing, if your partner is um, not feeling very confident about their bodies, they're just checked out for one or more reasons when it comes to the romance side of your relationship and maybe not even just the physicality is probably seeped into more of that by now. Right. But if, if they have the spiritual endurance, as I've spoke about before, to have the presence at the end of the night with partner, if she's fallen asleep with your kids, it's not personal, bro. It's because she's been up since 645 and it just was nice and comfy and quiet for the, for the first time all day long. And so, of course, the body's going to claim for a break. All right. So don't take it personal. But maybe you do nighttime routine. Maybe you're the one that my, my husband reads. My husband puts our child in her pajamas, brushes her teeth, and reads her books unless she's too tired to read books and wants to go straight to bed. He's done that since her birth. And I don't think that that only started because I was primarily working nights still at that time. I think he wanted to. He came from a situation where his first marriage did not work out and their son was very young when that first happened. So his time with his firstborn biological child was very limited uh, through the time he was five. So he had full experience opportunity and bless his heart ran with it. And so even to this day where I don't work as many nights, he still does the nighttime routine that never switched back to me. So uh, that's just a beautiful point I just wanted to bring up because that's, that's somebody who wanted to be a father. That's somebody who very intentionally wanted to be a father. And I lucked out hardcore with that for sure. Okay. So the conversation that we were just discussing, right. In terms of like listing what it is that you need to want to see, right. We also have to just like set a calendar date to do this again. And the importance of this is that we recognize new seasons of life. And there's obvious new seasons of life with the birth of a baby, a grieving of a loved one, uh, moving houses, changing jobs, income, change, whatever, whatever. But I, I, I would digress that like the reason that we should check in quarterly is just because of the process of our lives, especially if there is children involved. For us, when baseball season rolls around, like physical intimacy can practically be put on the back burner. It's going to be non-existent. We're going to be too exhausted from three to five baseball games a week trying to manage a little one who should have been in bed, you know, at 745, but there was a double header, so she's not going to bed till, you know, 930 at the earliest, but whatever, 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 whatever. Like we are on season whatever of baseball that we thankfully, like I'm not going to say that we were very intentional about that. Like we were intentional about this, like understanding we were going into a busy season, uh, but the 
the groundwork that we put into our relationship is a priority to one another and all the connection that we had had prior to all of that would then carry us through what most would consider a dry spell, but it was not a dry spell. Physically, we weren't able to connect with one another, but mentally we were really supporting each other. We were checking in so frequently with one another. We were making sure to take very designated time with each other at some point during the day. So Again, that's why I say that the physicality could go on the back burner because it didn't feel like there was a lack happening and we were just readjusting our energy into other priorities so that you could withstand the necessary need that nobody had to take it personally that you couldn't fit in physical stuff, right? So having that expectation around a season of life change that happens so frequently with whatever is going on in your life. So there's never a wrong time to just call a meeting and say like, hey, can we just talk about maybe I feel like there's some changes happening. And one of the things I want to address here is like something I didn't really recognize for myself, which was the needs, the ways that I wanted to be loved would change. For a very long time, my love language, which, you know, is not limited to the five that we typically talk about, but I definitely can identify with being a gift giver. That's that those days are pretty well I shouldn't say they're not done with but like when whenever you list your ways of being loved and liking to be loved or whatever when gift giving was probably my top number one of all time it's just like in the top 10 now like I like to give thoughtful gifts I still I, I still will like I still have this notion that if I buy you something I'm going to appease you so then also That'll affect your beliefs and money and compulsive spending when you're trying to bypass a bad feeling, just so you know. Okay, so different conversation for a different day, maybe. I digress once again. Actually, I want to take a little bit of water break. Let's get some hydration. Do you need a break? Do you, do you need some water? Get some water in. It's time. Oh, oh, look at the new. Oh, that wasn't. That was probably makeup, but I forgot. Look, look at the new scratchy scratches that this little brewmate. She she be handling, yo. She does it. She takes care. Now she's got lip gloss on her. Spicy. So, seasons of life. Oh, yes. Okay. So, the ways. So, I didn't. I wasn't recognizing, basically, that, like, my love language had changed. And because, like, I, it's just different the way I give gifts. And I don't do it as frequently as my love language. I've switched more into quality time as my desirable love language, but it also stemmed from my husband introducing me to it, having good quality time with somebody and a family that then became one of my higher priorities as connection because I was getting really good connections from that. So it changed and shifted the love language I had for my own needs without really recognizing that. That would stem into basically that I didn't need or want as many gifts as I used to think I would. And I was seeing that now I was seeking validation. So I, I think that my love language had changed to words of affirmation, which wasn't, I mean, like I always like to hear good things, of course, but I, I can now see that because of who I am now and the things that I do, especially the emotional labor things that I do at home or had been doing, especially as a full-time mom, I can see now why my, my needs had been changed in terms of like just wanting to hear I was doing a good job because I wasn't getting paid to do it. Just hearing that I was a great mom because it was, it was my full-time job now, right? So 
and because it couldn't be validated, well, you could buy me like a Mother's Day gift or something. Okay, but I was for me personally, it just had shifted. Like it meant more to have the recognition of the hard, intentional work I was putting into my life. So that's why it's important for you too, as well, is to sit down, even if you don't anticipate that there's been a season of life. That's why quarterly is great. You know, twice a year, cool. Once a year, minimum, right? But anytime you might feel a potential shift or just doing a check in with one another, because not only again does it allow for your partner to understand what it is that they can do to support you better they're probably willing to do so if it means that you know there'll be better energy in the house (sighs) in personally developing people or personally aware people I guess I should say then it just feels good to be seen heard validated and then you know execute those things because as I was circling back to in terms of like supporting your badass bitch base your badass bitch partner women have been on the precipice of a lot of change for a long time. Uh, And I will validate that through my personal work that I've talked about this before, but it's a correlation, right? Is that what I have seen in consultation conversations around intimacy in relationships is primarily three large shifts. Like I shouldn't say shifts, but it used to be that the big conversation we were having is that women were nervous or concerned that they had lower libidos than their male partners, which again is a correlation to obligation. It's a correlation to an idea of what I need to do to fulfill my husband's needs. There was never, it was never a primary request of how can I connect with my partner alternatively, because I don't really feel like having sex right now. That was never the question. It was always that my partner wants it more than I do. Always. How do I, how do I address this? Or how do I meet their needs? Not how do I figure out what's going on with me because I like sex. It's how do I, how do I fix this? So the things are better at home, whether it was because partner was demanding it or not, that was the the inherent feeling of the woman in the relationship to fix the problem. And that was, again, a decade ago, 11 years ago. No, I don't get to say that, 11 years ago. And that still is something that I would hear today, but it's definitely one of the minority concerns, which is why the shift has happened. Because about five to six years ago was absolutely a conversation about emotional labor, but we didn't have the terminology for it yet. It was, especially... With the shift in my business, which I had moved more into empowerment, like uh, when I started Confession Men, um, I wasn't telling women that they needed to replace you with a bedroom accessory, but we were absolutely laughing at men's expenses. Uh, And it wasn't like you individually, you need to know that. And it wasn't personal ever. It was just, again, a collection of things I had heard from women about poor experiences of sex or consistent things around their sex and intimacy that women were feeling like they were lacking that they could communally usually agree was happening amongst a lot of them right so that was that was kind of like getting to terms with like connecting with women about the the goofiness that was sex that's how I built my business women gravitated towards me because it was like has she been in my bedroom how does she know that and around this conversation five to six years ago it started to shift into okay so I get it like that's you know, women can relate that that a majority of women will relate to sex on that level. But that's not I don't want to continue carrying that message. I know that they don't want that. Number one, number two, it's not what I have at home. And I so I know what could benefit both ends of the partnership. If everybody felt loved and supported and was able to achieve their goals, hopes and dreams and deepen connections and so on and so forth. So the message in my my demo started to shift with my in-home party experience and it was less about like the goofiness of men not knowing your pleasure points and empowering you to know them yourself. 
not only for you to know them, but for you to understand and tap into, did you ever like sex? Was it ever something you were interested or curious about? And nine times out of 10, women would then come into the consultation room and say, yeah, I miss it. What you said tonight resonated with me. I, I'm recognizing that I'm overworked, or I'm underpaid, or I, I don't have any time for myself, or I miss my girls, uh, like as a community of women, or I even miss my partner or whatever. I, I don't have that identity anymore. Where Where is my sex life? I miss that. I never discovered my sex life to its fullest to, to begin with, Rachel. How do, I, how do I get back to that? And the recognition for them in self that, number one, intimacy wasn't a priority, and that was responsibility on both sides. It wasn't a priority because there was too many other priorities at hand and usually more pressing, easy to put intimacy on the back burner. We don't need to get it in tonight because we need to make sure that our children go to sleep in their own beds. And now I'm exhausted, so I pass out too, right? So that's recognition of responsibility and where your intimacy is a priority and the fullness of that, not just sex. Because I find that this, that's the struggle is that for men, they've been conditioned that not only is sex a stress reliever, Again, for some of you, you do believe that it is just like a marital right. Most of you don't think that, thankfully. But you can't get to an idea of like, why can't she give me three to five minutes over if my partner was ready and willing and warm and able and enthusiastic and enjoying this, how much of a different experience that would be for me. So that conditions women into feeling like sex is a chore. You didn't tell her that. But if at the end of the day, she has prepped the children's lunch and done the the laundry and it doesn't matter I don't have to tell you what her laundry list of chores are you should probably know those uh and all of the memory capacity that she has up here about managing your guys's life and is there equal division there who is setting the appointments for the children who is arranging for the plumber to show up uh who is taking off work for anything anything whether it's family related children related or whatever whatever um who has hobbies for themselves in the house? Who who hangs out with their friends more frequently? It, it, if your answer is, oh, it's equal, great, great. Comment that, please. Tell your friends. Round of applause. Make sure that they know. But for the majority of women, there's a reason I have a job. There's a reason I have a job. So this is very important because we're not seeing this as much. And this is going to be a cliche to say, but this is an older generation problem in terms of like, I would say it's starting to fade within the millennial world. Okay, but millennials and above, we still, again, were given a precedent. We were we were told what wives and husbands and marriages, more specifically, would look like, and there would be roles. So at that time, it was this internal shift inside. And part of this, of course, is that we, we were lessening the oppression of women, white women specifically. Women had been allowed to finally work, again, white women, because women of color had always worked. And uh, women were allowed to start voting and going to school and all of these other things, secondary school and stuff like that. So part of that is that cultivation and possibility and potential that was brewing already. And the other side of that is the understanding of the placement of roles that was then put upon them so that's been shaken up for quite a few you know decades now and some women choose to move into that and some women like to stick with what they know and that's there's no right or wrong it's what's best for yourself so for millennial men or some millennial men and younger I mean not all of this there's definitely you know there's definitely um exceptions to each generational cue my husband is a gen xer and he's freaking amazing so it's, it's not an excuse what, what, what generation you were born in. It's just recognition to what your programming may have placed upon you around that. Okay, that's, that's the important thing around that. Okay, so swirl. Where were we? Expectations. Defining those. Clarifying those. I don't remember. 
Okay. Oh, women, emotional labor. Thing. I got. I got. There. I got back there. Right. So just having this recognition was really powerful because so many women basically were admitting. I like sex. And some of them for the first time, some of them didn't even know that they enjoyed sex because they had not had a pleasurable experience yet. And again, not because of lack of trying or intention from a partner, but for most of us not given any sex ed, sex ed at all, then we see this in movies, televisions, and books. And I will tell you from personal experience as somebody who was not taught about my body or what even reproduction was and the very limited scope that we were given in school, public school, I really thought that sex was naked bodies that just were grinding on one another um, because that's what you saw on television. At least that's what I was seeing in television and I should not have when I was, I, I could, it was second grade and below. Uh, but if there's a lot of social cues that align with that or a lot of other even people in my age range. Sorry, I just smacked that microphone. Um, there's no incentive for a male body to have to change that perspective because friction works for a penis owner. So penis to vagina penetration will work in that regard, but it's doing majority of the time nothing. It might feel good, but it's not. It's almost not. It's almost never delivering a big O for a vulva owner because the, the pieces just don't match up. Okay. So it's important to, to really recognize and understand that, right? If that's where it was a learned behavior, but there was nothing ever taught differently, then what incentive is there to change on both sides again? Well, for feminine beings, it's self-exploration because if you knew what you liked, you could tell your partner. You don't criticize your partner. You just guide them. Guide them to what feels good and they'll give it to you. Because again, remember, in your, our society, men are are primed that that is what their providership is. I'm not saying it should be limited to this, friends. But it is money and sex for you. It's money and sex for you. Like, that's how you feel like you provide the best of your, especially if you're a heterosexual person. Um, you shouldn't. Uh, and by the way, when you look at money and sex as a providership, you should extend that into fatherhood, especially if you have children. Like, that should be built into that, but it's not for everybody. You think that your providership by placing money in the bank is your fatherhood. You have then provided for your children because you have not been given the permission to express your emotional side. So why would you be as emotionally attached to these little crotch griblins that came out of her? gremlins came out of her when you've been then taught intrinsically she's more emotionally tied to them anyway because she gave birth why can't you build an emotional connection with them to that level because you can i promise which then not only cements for them that they can and should have that with their intimate partners and relationships in general but then allows for you to have the frequency and space to do that then with your partner which is what you're missing anyway okay that's what's going to change your pleasure game uh, is when you connect. Okay. So that was the second thing that, that should, I mean, I should say really the big change from the conversation around women having lower libidos, quote unquote, uh, compared, quote unquote, to their male partners, to this conversation around emotional labor and division and why they're exhausted. Okay. When you don't, when you don't have equal division in the house, she's, she's not going to probably primarily divide it back to physicality if the check boxes haven't been ticked right so you have to remember that this is a good interjection that intimacy starts from the moment that y'all wake up 
So how do you greet each other? Do you, if, if, if one of you leaves before the other's up, do you still connect with each other immediately as soon as the other person's up? Do you start each other's day together? Do you wish one another well? Do you ask how can you support each other today? Can, you, can I do anything for you today? What does your day look like at the end of the day? How was your day? Like this mental connection, not, I mean, it's just, aren't you bored? Like, are you bored? Like, what are you doing all the time if you're not connecting with your partner? Like, I, I, I don't advocate for codependency where all, and this was me, this was me for like the first five years of my life. Like, I needed, needed to talk to my, my would soon be husband all the time because there was a sense of validation of love, not being needed, but being loved by being connected all the time. But I would also digress that there was a lot of relationship building in that. We talked all the time, just to talk all the time. Like, we were building a relationship with each other. So, Anyway, right, so the emotional labor conversation, so important. And here's the thing, fellas, especially, is that when this comes to light, your woman's already feeling it, but she might not have had the vocabulary around it. And just because she then develops a vocabulary around it doesn't mean that she's going to get the guts to talk to you about it. Some schmear on my face. Um, some women will. And others won't because they are so primed for people pleasing that they are afraid to bring up the hard stuff. Some women won't. Some women will be ready to pounce on the opportunity to tell you all the things that they have been doing, which is okay. What I would still advocate for in relationships of any kind is that, you know, you want to make sure that you're trying to frame what you're saying as how you yourself are being affected, but not how somebody else is making you feel. Because nobody makes you feel anyway, and I know that's very cliche, but you have to recognize that if if an emotion is coming up within you, it's because you have been triggered by something, yes, that somebody may have said, but did they intend to trigger that? Did they know that was a trigger for you? And yes, they may have, but don't take that personally. That's unhealed trauma in self over there, right? You need to make sure that you're present in this moment and really being able to understand partner. I find that sometimes I feel unsafe if I'm not receiving validation, right? If you can find a way to shape it in telling your partner what it is that you need versus what they've done, then they don't internalize that and like take it personally. Like I'm never good enough for you. Or why would you think I would ever try to do that to you? Which is usually my husband's really good at pointing that one out to me. And I, I bless him for it. I need him. To, I, I need to know, right? It's like I, in my victim mentality, I do a really good job at like making assumptions about him instead of, uh, you know, taking the full proof in the pudding that I've had for a decade that he's on my side. <laughs> okay, so that's really an important one is that understanding that you could be building up a story within you that your partner's doing something maliciously when they would never, they'd be insulted to think that you would do that to them, that you would think that about them. Like, would you do that to them? Would you, would you, would you be, be that malicious in your relationship if you cared that deeply about somebody hopefully not right so that was about five to six years ago now that's still a very important conversation because although women I think knew about this in their hearts for a long time again they're gonna do the thing that women do which is once we come to a, recollect a recollection that our entire community is being hurt by something we're gonna be talking about it okay we're gonna be talking about it over at tea and spilling that tea and over at lunches and wherever else we congregate, okay, especially at my parties, okay, we're going to be talking about it because, well, one, for a lot of women, you know, they have not been empowered over the years to be the ones that do have or initiate tough conversations. So the community aspect of it is, is not to 
rise against you, but it is, I think, sometimes to build confidence. It's not only do I know that I'm not alone, so this actually makes me feel not normal because we don't want to say, I mean, conflict is normal, but it's common. Common is the better term to say, like, having, not being unhappy in your marriage, but having conflict, okay? So, I guess that's not true. You could be unhappy. Like, let's not give ourselves permission to do that, please. Okay. <sighs> However, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. Okay. And, and, and this, from the human experience side of that, of course, is to validate. It is to validate. Like, we don't want to feel crazy. We don't want to feel like, you know, we're making up shit. So if other people are going through it, then it absolutely validates that what we're thinking is true. Whether it's true or not, we just seek that out. Okay. So... And I tell you that because if your girl's over there talking to her community, like, you need in, okay? Like, I don't want to not be a part of whatever you potentially might need in terms of having things fulfilled for you. So why don't you tell me what's going on? It's probably not going to happen, but I'm just telling you. Okay, so once we can move past the sisterhood aspect of it, which doesn't happen for everybody, okay? But I definitely know that <laughs> the majority of my besties do it, okay? <laughs> I got a few groups I go to, Okay. Uh, then it, it's, it's also because if, if consciously the, the whole species, not just a particular relationship you may know, uh, in your lifetime, if consciously everybody had the permissions to do these things, then we'd be able to have the hard conversations right away. But collectively speaking, not only is conflict difficult, but there are instances sometimes again for our society, women have been coached to believe that they could even be unsafe whether that's real or not, by bringing these kinds of things up, questioning, questioning, just questioning anything, questioning customs, beliefs, anything, okay? So the last thing that I want to say is um, a very common conversation amongst myself and my feminine base, especially around sex and intimacy, uh, not, not untalked about before between me and any of my social media presences, women having a higher drive than their partner in a relationship, it's not as rare as people would think. And it, what, it, what I would say is difficult to say, though, is like what, what's high, right? And so in this instance, I would just describe this, that there is a discrepancy in your relationship where you feel like you might be initiating more. You might feel like you just want sex more. You might feel rejected more frequently, potentially, than the other partner in the relationship. And clichely speaking, you feel a certain way because you are identifying maybe as the more feminine one in the relationship or as the woman. Okay, because clichely, we think that men should always have higher drives than women. So there are many reasons why this could be. And so I'll touch on a few. And again, this is just my experience. If a feminine partner seems to want sex more frequently, the, these, these are the questions I start with, basically. Number one, how old is your partner? Uh, there, is, there is obvious and cliche things like low testosterone, which is not wrong by the way like there is there is a bracket that you could be depleted which will affect your body but it is normal it is normal for all bodies to change frequencies and hormones as we progress in age because the quite literal primal self of body and reproduction starts to wane in the male individual as he progresses in age because he's not as driven to procreate. I mean, there I don't remember what show I watched about this band. I wish I could find it for you where it basically um, documented older individuals in in Florida like living the retired life and like how that was and these twin guys these twin guys who had been in their 60s or 70s 
talked about how like they had always done everything together, you know, uh, and now they were both living singly in Florida together and they loved it. They, they were basically explaining like there was such a difference in lifestyle once you were no longer driven by the chase of a woman. And I don't remember what age they said, but it was just like, it was so much of a different distraction. Now, some of that's obviously conditioning, but that is, again, what the primal self is here to do. That's what animals do is they're meant to procreate, right? And so not all of us have a drive to have children, but we still run through the the feeling of emotional drive to have the sex, right? So it was really, really interesting to hear. And so that is a factor, of course, that you will have less of a desire to, to have any form of sex really if as you age naturally but again lower t production it can can result in actual physical i won't say physical but can actually can aid low t in everyday life can affect your lifestyle that's how i want to phrase that okay but some of that's normal okay now I, I want to address i think that the elephant in the room is that the the concern usually is that if women have a higher drive they're just nervous that this means that maybe their partner could be cheating on them if they're not putting out as much as they should be it's also more frequently about what's wrong with me why do am i am i a nymphomaniac am i a slut what's wrong with me like why do i have a high drive i've been always been coached to believe that i shouldn't but most importantly if my partner doesn't want to have sex with me what's wrong with me am i not attractive Am, am I not good enough in bed or altogether? So they're internalizing that. Not all women, but a majority of women are going to take it that way. So that's difficult because how could you, well, I should say, how could you not? I see why you do, but please do not because it, it, it should not be stemming from you. If there's a personal reason that your partner does not want to have sex with you, that's a problem with them. <laughs> that's a problem with them. Okay. And come at me in the, in a DM and we can talk about it if like you disagree fine you can disagree all right so that's that is the most common thing that I do address and furthermore the the change in the coaching so going from like doing the in-home party experience and having that one-to-one minimum minimum okay on average I would say in, in the 11 years I've been active we're averaging three parties a week and let's say eight women at a party so I'm talking to a lot of people right I estimated it's 3,500 in the party experience alone. That does not include empowerment classes, one-to-one sessions, DMs and social media, text messages, phone calls, and things like that. So I don't even know where we're at. But I have heard a lot of stories, and I love to pop a balloon potentially for you when you find out that y'all are so similar, it's, it's, it's not even funny. That is both a blessing and a curse because not only should you feel relief that I guarantee whatever you've gone through, somebody else has gone through something remarkably similar. You aren't broken. There's nothing wrong with you. And you don't need fixed. You don't need fixed. You're not broken. But I understand what you're searching for, which is like maybe some potential tools for relief, which you do deserve. So, you know, the disconnect of where we are, I, I believe that that third category of women having higher drives is, uh, is also a correlation from the second category of the division of labor. Women are more empowered than they've ever been before. Women are still oppressed by a long, long, long haul, uh, but they also have more opportunity than they've ever had before. So it will not change that they'll, they'll still desire more. They're going to demand more. And 
with that availability, as I kind of started this podcast talking about, is that you can see your benefit from this if you really tried hard. Because if you feel like anything that you might argue with me about, no, you're not trying to argue. I understand that. But like, like, let's take, for example, you being tired. Like, I'm tired because I work this really hard job and I don't have the energy to be present at the end of the day for my children or my partner or what anything other than maybe my phone or my television, right? If like, if you feel that way, I'm not saying that's wrong. And I'm not saying that you don't feel that way. What I'm saying is, what are we going to do to fix it? Because you deserve more than just working eight to 12 hours a day and then coming home and sitting on the couch. Is that what you want? I'm not saying it's wrong if you do, if that's what you want, but is that is that what your partner wants? Have you been clear with one another about the lifestyle that you desire and want with one another after the end of a work day? Is she going to be cooking or would you be cooking? Are you going to be splitting that? Who's helping the children with their homework? Is she taking care of all of that? Or are you being present with them as well? Because when she has more energy to allocate to you, she can give it to you. But if her cup is empty from PTA meetings and christenings and budget drafts and uh, drawing up your financial will I mean whatever <laughs> whatever okay Th that and I the, the thing I, I feel like I struggle with with this is that I, I know that you have your own stuff going on I know that it's not to negate from that. And I think that that's part of the, the hardest conversation that we're having is that the things that we're expressing to you is not to take away from your experience. It's just to ask you to still listen to what I just said, right? Like one of the things that frustrates me with being on the platform of YouTube so far is that when I share something that is like, hey, your woman wants you to know this thing that's about to come out of my mouth. Could you grab a notebook and a pen and take some notes real quick, digest it, try to regurgitate it and give it to her because she's telling me to tell you to give this to her. So I just told you, I'm about to explain on a video where you can pause and rewind or share or save, whatever. Can I help you have some ease in your relationship? And the response, it's, it's not a lot, but it's just an awareness, okay? Yeah, but... So I heard, I heard what you said about her struggling, but what about me? What about the things that I'm going through? What about, I, I didn't ask you not to share your story. I didn't ask you for you not to share your struggles. I'm encouraging you. Did you listen to the first 45, four, I'm sorry, 39 minutes of this podcast? When I said, you got to sit down and say, this is how I like to be loved. Both people in relationships are guilty of not having verbalized expectations. Both and that's only, again, because did you have parents, teachers, pastors who did? Did you have a model of an example who, who, who said, who did the things that I just told you, who were very clear on what they needed and wanted so that you could see that as a manual then to take with you into your relationships? And if not that, did you go through enough of your own awareness and personal development to recognize what your programming was to deprogram from and then choose what it is? That's my husband. My husband came to our relationship knowing what he didn't want, knowing some of the things that may have been traumas or triggers for him in a previous relationship and where he didn't vocalize those like in day one. 
he was able to execute though his needs. Like I didn't understand or know what was driving force behind wanting a lot of physical touch and quality time as love languages, but he knew how to tell me that that's what he wanted and needed. I, I don't know. It's not always necessary, of course, to get to the heart and root of things, but as somebody who is a neurospicy brain, I am, I'm a very need to know person. <laughs> I need to understand the programming. I'm very curious being. Okay. So for me, it is kind of important, not necessarily to understand that about my partner. It's helpful. It's helpful to know because it validates, you know, as a reminder to me why this is important to him and I want to show up and love him like that. But beyond my own personal experiences, it typically is in it's it's helpful for me to know, to know why my programming is the way that it is for the same reason. Because then I when I start to feel traumatized or triggered with not having a lot of experience of bringing the brain, body, soul together, I'm typically like, ah, hanging out up here or whatever, whatever, and not down here in the body to feel, right? I can't recognize when I'm feeling traumatized or triggered. I just react, okay? So trying to take this back one more time to dating a baddie, right? Like, I guess... I guess, I guess, I'll, I guess I'll just, I'll just, I'm going to take this one step further because this is what I have to draw upon is my own experience. And that's all, I mean, well, in this particular, like I like to draw upon the, the, the group of client base that we've had for 11 years, you know, to talk about when, when necessary and when applicable. But from this, this, con this ode to my husband is that like, not only have I said on multiple occasions publicly, as well as within my relationship, I would not be the coach that I can be or what I would like to say is just a mentor. That's all I want to be. I don't want to be a coach, but you understand what I say when I say intimacy coach, okay? So being a mentor to go through these things, I would not be, I would not be as good as I am at it. Having not been in the relationship with him, not only did he hold space for me to become whatever I wanted to be and figuring that out in any capacity, Anytime I changed my mind and decided I needed to do this now in my life. Anytime I decided I wanted to do that and in full support. How can we, how, how can I help? How can we make that happen? These are phrases that come out of his mouth. Without him, I would not be here, which makes perfect sense, right? If I would have stayed with my ex with all due respect, I would have either been somebody who only sold product to sell product or I wouldn't even be in this position anymore because I wouldn't have the experience. I, I would not be an intimacy coach for sure. Like I might be a vibrator salesor, salesperson, period. Like, that's the differentiating factor. So why is that important for me to tell you, like, when I'm saying support her? Because without the literal resources to grow myself, a lot of the things that I, I say uh, about what women need from their men, my men get, my man gives that to me. He gave it to me from day one. He gave it to me unconditionally. He continues to give it to me. He, and he also continues to, like, shapeshift as I need even sometimes without me saying, Mo well, let's, let's be honest, all the advice I've been giving you this hour or stuff that I definitely want to work on more as well with my partner. So I would not be here, though, without the actual experience of going through a great relationship. How could I mentor others to be able to do that or become that not having gone through the journey myself? So that's that's part of it. And what has that done? What has it done to have unequivocal support and unconditional love from a partner? What has that done for him? How's it benefited him? Well, one of the things that's important is, like, again, knowing what your priorities are. What I can tell you about my husband is that being a husband and a, hus being a, husband and a father were very important to him. Those things are just as important to him as it is for me to be successful in what I do. And I don't mean like bringing money. I mean that I need to do a job that brings me growth, contribution, passion, and purpose. Otherwise, I am just 
an emotional wreck in a job. Like I just like I and you can find this in a corporate nine to five, by the way. I'm not saying that you can't, but but that's me. That's like I know that about myself. Okay. So the benefit for him in supporting me in my capacities and my not only does he get a better headspace of a woman, okay, right? But you I will be unstoppable. I like I I just know that. Like his providership and being a dad and um, a husband, and he's so good at it, right, also means that, well, I don't know, I really, let me kind of reset my mouth for a second, right, because that's what I was talking about, was like, being clear on what it is that you're looking for within your relationship and how how they want to be, right, like, our, our roles are semi-reversed a little bit, where it's like, like I was saying, it's not about the financial gain of being a coach, it's about the impact like what I do for a living is not different than if you chose to volunteer at your church. What I do for a living is not the, is not any different than if you decided to adopt a highway and clean up the litter like once a week. What is different about my job is that I can make an income from it. And you need to hear my heart when I tell you that I have gone through years, years of conditioning myself that I deserve to make an income doing anything in life, but even something that I love by helping people. That's very difficult because I have absolutely struggled bust with people should have this information for free. I've given a lot. I've given a lot away for free in 11 years. And I'm going to continue doing that. I, I very much enjoy a lot of the things that I do that are not compensated financially, but they are compensated with relationships. And it's compensated with um, the lifestyle that I then take back with my I, my cup runneth over by the time I get back to my husband. So it benefits him in any capacity, that whatever he wants. Like he don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to like say that he's sitting all padded and pretty up on a couch. Like my goal is to have him there. Absolutely. Now that I'm full-time entrepreneurship. I mean, he's always said he's going to continue to work and I don't know that he would uh, if he didn't have to, but there are big ass bad things coming for us. And it, it is absolutely because of the foundation of what he's done for me. That's what I'm telling you. Like I can't necessarily vocalize or tell you exactly what your life would look like with a badass bitch in your life. But I'm going to tell you that I commit to taking care of this man for the rest of our lives. Like I commit to supporting this family. I commit to growing whatever his idea, if, if his ideas are literally that he just wants to be a husband and retire, I'm going to support that. If he, if he changes my tomorrow and decided he wanted to be a professional pilot, I would support him. If he decided that he was going to take off and move to Costa Rica, we'd have some things to talk about, but I'd pro I'm not following him, but I'm, I'm creating my life with him there. I would support that if there was some if there it wasn't if it, was, if it wasn't about escapism and there was a calling if there was a calling to go to Costa Rica for something I it, it, if it was for him to go and figure it out and come back and bring me or come back later and just do that thing temporarily I'm doing it because he would do it for me and he has done it for me and that is the reciprocal you, you you'll live your best life and some of you have been brainwashed unfortunately because you think you're living your best life by having the wife at home in the kitchen cleaning the house taking care of the children because you're dilly dally fart fucking around golfing after you work and going to the bar with your buddies on thirsty thursdays and facs that's not a life like sure you're having a good time and you're entertained but do you have your deep-rooted intimacy do you experience mind-blowing pleasure with your partner? Do you lay your bed at on, on your pillow at night and kiss them goodnight? And they're the last thing you think about and the first thing that you want to when you wake up. You may have been believed that your life of privilege and doing whatever the fuck you want is your lifestyle, but only temporarily, son. When you're a young bachelor, lift that up. But when you're ready for one of the best experiences that you could ever have, which absolutely is vulnerable conversation and nakedness and traveling, whatever, whatever you would deem important in your relationship, of course. It's not the same. 
there's studies out there that have proved it. It have proved that men and why they become potentially unhappy in their midlife has nothing to do with their wives per se, but they are unhappy in their marriage. Because it wasn't, it wasn't, it was, it was a marriage of convenience, but it wasn't, it wasn't a marriage of love and romance and intimacy and deep rooted connection and expansion, most importantly, and growth and whatever, all these other things, which is just a piece of paper over here. So, you know, you got to get really clear. You got, I mean, like, again, this thing that I just described over here for some of you, right? It's not to say that you can't golf with your buddies and have a, a really great connection with your partner. Absolutely not. I'm not saying that. But you and I both know, you and I both know that we know somebody out there avoiding their house life. You and I both know that. And we probably know more than one of them. I was that person in my previous life. I was. And I was operating out of a masculine frequency. I don't care what you think, but I know it to be true because I learned it from my dad. I learned it from my dad. Do whatever the fuck I want whenever I want and put myself first before my family. Put my needs first before my family. So you, I, as somebody who literally comes from both sides of the fence, like I, I guess... What I feel very privileged to say is to quite frequent, I mean, like we could go into the, if you're like, you, yeah, what do you, what, no, you didn't live your life like a dude. Yeah, I did. Yes, I did. Uh, we could talk about that in a prior, a different podcast if you want to, but I'm having this revelation as we're speaking right now that, that, that for me has put me on both sides of the spectrum. I have been on both sides of the fence. I have been in a hyper individualistic relationship that was meant for marriage. I was on the road to that and I have been in a fully supported co-relationship for a decade this one was 12 years this is 10 so you know there's only two years to go but I can tell you without a doubt that this is sustainable this never was this was already back and forth and broken this is expansion this is safe safety this is potential this was a mess <laughs> this was this was an obsession in a realm of self-soothing convenience unhealed trauma that's what this was so i mean i guess you take your pick you take your pick i'm just telling you it's 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 more fulfilling over here and again the things that i was distracted with in this previous life like adrenaline junky things like no, i'm not kidding like um i'm not these aren't the things i did but like i'm gonna explain like Jumping out of an airplane or bungee jumping and rock climbing and whitewater rafting and none of those things and activities are wrong. But when they're all you do, that's escapism. Over here, intentional, intentional vulnerability, intentional time, intentional presence, all of that invaluable. And it's, it's totally different. It's hard work. It's hard work. It's easy. It's easy to pack up and go away for a weekend. It's hard work to be present all the time. But you have to hear me when I tell you that all that time that you prepped to run that marathon, what did it feel like when you won the gold medal? How's that going to feel in a relationship over here? How's it going to feel? Okay. It's, it's hard friends because it, it doesn't, it doesn't take sacrifice. Don't choose that as the word. It takes compromise. And that's very cliche to say, but that's exactly what it's going to take. And when you give up some of the things that you thought were so important anyway, you will realize potentially you never missed them. You'll never miss them to begin with, but they might've even been hindering you and you didn't even know it all along until somebody introduced an alternative way. It wasn't a better way, but it was an alternative way to do this relationship or do this life. And it worked out better for you because things are never happening to you. They're happening for you. You're welcome. Well, my goodness, I hope this was a, a good conversation. And, um, 
I've never found a good way to wrap up a, a podcast or a lot of anything, really, because what you're supposed to do is like wrap, recap, and then basically find ways for people to continue connecting and following you. So basically close the deal, but I'm not, I'm not, I've never been very good at that. I, I know you know how to get in contact with me. You've got the free 99 versions and ways if that's what you can afford to do because you still deserve to have a tool set and a better mentality about your life. If you're ready for the one-to-one sessions, which are the most popular, so we can again really prioritize and personalize your blueprint to success in whatever capacity from your wealth, your relationships, your mental and physical well-being, your spirituality, your potentially your purpose and passion, or um, like the empowerment class. Then I don't think I mentioned in this podcast, I think I talked about in the Lost Pad podcast, I'm trying to consistently run that once a month um, until eventually I'm going to just film the damn thing and make it available for you and that way you can purchase the class and then have it at your own convenience or to refer back to it. Uh, that's the goal so that we can get to a level two availability. So lots of really great things coming, lots of free ways again to stay connected. And uh, most importantly, if you found value in this, please make sure to share it out or uh, to make sure to reach out to me or invite your friends, 18 years or older in a feminine energy to be a part of the community we have going on on Facebook. And um, I think that was just about it. So this one is very much more cleanly wrapped up than my last one, which was just like word vomit after word vomit after word vomit. But uh, I think I feel much better having um, decompressed and got some stuff out and not in a negative capacity. But just I just hope that it's it's helpful and information. I hope that you're finding nuggets of wisdom or seeds to plant or conversational starters to have with your partner because you deserve to feel what I'm talking about. And until you get there, it's hard to wrap your mind around some of the things that I say because it just sounds like having a shitty conversation with somebody that you love. But sometimes it is as simple as that, but it's not really that simple as it. So I appreciate you. I can't wait till we connect again here on the podcast and other ventures as well. So I appreciate you. I said that already. So I'm so grateful you are here. Thank you so much. And until next time, stay happy, stay healthy. And of course, wash your hands. Bye-bye.